Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the DXM Podcast. I am your host, Colborn Bell. We are joined today by artist uh, Brianna Browning. Hi. And it's Brianna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Sure. Yeah, I'm really, really happy to be here. Super, super excited to chat. Cool. Uh, we're going to start where we always start, and that is to just give you the space to talk a little bit about yourself, anything you want to share, and how you got to be here today. Sure. Um, so I have had a bit of a circuitous path um, to where I am in terms of my art practice now. Um, I started out in architecture. So I, I studied architecture and landscape architecture. Um, and a lot of my work then was focused on speculations and thinking about urban futures. Um, I was really into like digital and physical um, enmeshment through fabrication. Uh, so I did a lot of kind of various scales of, of work during that time. And I eventually moved to LA and was working um, at a small design practice here for quite a few years. Um, and then after that, um, I, I kind of realized that the architecture practice wasn't where I felt comfortable anymore. And I went back and got a postgrad degree with Liam Young in fiction and entertainment. Um, and I started to think more about world building and um, deeper into the like science-based storytelling. Um, and, and I really used that time when I was studying to build a new direction for my creative practice, um, moving towards media art, um, creative direction, and kind of like an umbrella of just, basically I'm, I'm really just wanna make whatever I feel like all the time. And, and <laughs> that was that was kind of the format that seemed to, to fit that the best. And so um, now I'm, I'm practicing as an artist. Uh, I'm doing creative direction. I'm, I'm teaching at SciArc with Lucy McRae, who's a really amazing friend and artist. Um, and I'm just, uh, I'm really excited to be kind of continuing my interests about the misuse of technological tools and the overlaps between the digital and the physical. Let's go right into that. Well, first yeah. I wanna note how incredible uh, it is the number of architects I come across. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I guess these are just like big systems thinkers uh, that are multidisciplinary and kind of attracted to perhaps maybe the, the speed of the space and their ability to design and create and implement in digital spaces as opposed to physical spaces. Maybe we start. There. I think, yeah, I think, I think also um, having, even though I, I don't never intend to practice as an architect anymore, I think that the, the skills that you learn in the architectural education are really super valuable, very broad. Um, I, I personally was interested in like the digital side from an early point, like maybe my second year of undergrad. Um, and, and I started getting deep into like parametric modeling. I was in Rhino Grasshopper like from mm. day one basically. So I would, even though I have a strong foundation in like hand drafting, I kind of started with the old school guys and like the traditional Bauhaus 
methodology. Um, I pretty quickly transitioned into the digital realm, and I, I would say that a lot of the 3D work especially is very native. Um, and I think a lot of architects find that that is the case, that it's a seamless transition um, into various forms of creative practice out of architecture because of the um, really broad skills and, and the way of thinking. So let's dive into this last point that you, you brought up before about uh the use and misuse of, of tech and in our practice and kind of the, sure. uh, yeah, you know, how, how it relates to both digital and, and physical. Yeah, so um, I've kind of, I've kind of thought of this term skill collector um, that relates back to my architecture background, um, the way I've been working for quite some time, but I, I really enjoy the process of of learning new tech, new skills, just figuring out how stuff works. Um, and I think that the misuse of technology in my practice is, is really a kind of foundational aspect to ev all of the different ways that I work. Um, mm. And that includes like in image making and 3D or sculptural stuff, physical um, or digital. And, and I think that the misuse of the tools is is something that brings me a lot of joy. Um, I like to kind of see what happens when finding those little surprises, the the pieces of the process or, or of the modeling methodology that maybe are just kind of usually cast aside. I like to kind of scavenge those pieces and and then build new workflows around around those little gems that maybe would just get overlooked otherwise. There's something about it. There's something about like the glitch or the error in something that is kind of like meant to be automated or like a, a process that is so fascinating when people begin to pull it out, like extrapolate it and, and build upon it. I, uh, I always, always appreciate that. Um, maybe you could just kind of tie some of that into how it, relates practically to your work or instances where yeah. this has happened? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I think, well, I just want to maybe note one other thing. So this really, this way of thinking and working really started, I think when I was a child, um, my dad has this massive workshop. He's always building things. And, and I kind of have had this mentality of like, let's see what happens um, from early, early on. And I, and I think that, carrying that all the way through into the digital space and then into the work specifically, mm. um, it's, it really feels so intuitive that uh, I, I just, um, I think it just becomes part of all of my projects actually. But for a specific example, so the images like, like these here that I have on the wall um, come from my soft ground series. Um, these images specifically are, are generated based on photogrammetry scans. Um, so I went back to the landscapes of Appalachia where I grew up. Um, it's a kind of small coal mining town. Um, technologies of extraction are really like ubiquitous in, in the landscape. Um, and I, I went there and I photographed and I scanned. Um, and then I, I brought that data back and I, I processed the photogrammetry into the traditional 3D models, point clouds. 
Um, but in that process, there's UV maps that are output, um, which is basically the unfolded version uh, of the scan. And I, I saw these maps, um, they kind of get like output into a folder somewhere on your computer. Normally you have to dig for it, you know, if you're really looking for it. And I, I saw these as these really incredible um, kind of fragmented, like, disembodied pieces of the landscape. And I found that they were really revealed a lot of information um, that you couldn't see in the physical reality or in the digital model. Um, and so I kind of worked backwards starting from this map and figured out how the software generates it, um, how I can kind of hack the photography process in order to generate different types of maps, how I can manipulate the point clouds through the modeling process. Um, and so I dialed in kind of a, a technique for creating different types of maps based on the photogrammetry data that I was collecting. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at both of these works uh, right now, and there there's something about it, right? There's something about the like what is left behind, and the fact that maybe it is like so personal to you, and and you probably know what that photogrammetry scan relates to, uh, mm -hmm. but but here is something also uh, like green. It almost looks, you know, like there's these purple flowers in a field. Is there? They're, they're pretty haunting, especially knowing, you know, where they came from and, and kind of what they represent as far as this, this home for you uh, in Southern Appalachia. Uh, yeah, and, and I think, I mean, thanks, thank you. And I, I think that when I was thinking about these, I was really thinking about the new technological sublime. I think that there's a really kind of beautiful, um, quality to technology and thinking about bits as matter, um, landscapes mm. as information. And that that's what I was really trying to kind of bring to the surface through these is like hacking a way to show that there's this generational um, kind of, in this case, violence to the landscapes. It was extractive, mm. there's mining technologies, um, but also these like really beautiful outcomes where, where we have a merging of technology and nature. Um, and I think that's the space I grew up in. And I think that the fact that I'm able to maybe show that in, in my work um, in a way that ex explores and um, really showcases the information as physical. Do you want to uh, talk about the, the show at Vellum? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, some of this work was recently um, showcased in, in here in LA um, at Vellum, curated by um, Jesse Damiani and uh, Cinzi. And <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. They're cool. um, yeah, they're super been cool. Super nice to me and very, very so smart and so like interesting and show interesting work there. So um, this work was one of about 10 artists selected for. A, a show called Next Gen, and it was showcasing kind of digital artists native to LA. Um, 
And uh, so those, there's still a couple of those works available on Super Rare, if anyone <laughs> wants to take one of those up. Um, yeah, it was a really great opportunity and um, uh, other amazing artists. Um, you had just recently talked to Connie. Um, she had some work in the show. Um, a really great cohort, I think, and I was very lucky to to have been shown in that context with um, a really amazing artist. Was Connie also an architect? You know, I don't know. I, I met her for the first time um, at Vellum, and, and uh, I'm not sure what her background is. I think she might have been. Yeah. And There's I was a lot a, of us, yeah. <laughs> I was on a call with a, an artist duo today, Entangled Others, where he was an architect as well. I don't know. It's just it's coming up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's there's a lot of architects kind of defuncting <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> into other ways of practice yeah. i'm all for it i think like go for it <laughs> totally um should we jump over to to tech and textiles yeah for sure so um and this i think this kind of brings back in the physical piece that we started talking about earlier mm -hmm. um which is that I, in addition to the kind of misuse of the tech tools and the hacking methodology, I, I think that the other way that I do that is by going back and forth, like between physical and digital. Um, and so I, I've been working with a company in the Netherlands called Barbora, um, and they, they do custom 3D knitted textiles. Um, and they have these really amazing machines and software um, and a great team there that kind of takes, I was able to take these types of photogrammetry images and um, basically separate out all of the different layers and then turn it into a three-dimensional machine-knitted quilt. Hmm. Um, and so with these quilts, I've, I've really been thinking a lot about craft and what does craft mean in the age of technology um again like growing up in very rural appalachia i was exposed to like handicraft and um you know quilting the ideas of women's work and and these kind of cultural roles um and I, i'm interested in what those look like for me as a practice and and how I can integrate technology into craft. I definitely want to to talk about skin suits just because it's so sure. yeah, it's uh, something about like the way you you dissect landscape, the way you dissect form um, and the inputs and that are generated from this, I just, I find so fascinating. And I would obviously encourage everybody to go to the website and look through this <laughs> because it's, it's just so visual and beautiful. Um, can we talk about skin suits and what that entails? Yeah, yeah for sure. So um, skin suits was a project that I've been kind of, I'm continuing to work on that one. Um, and it's using the same, type of thinking as how I've been looking at landscapes, um, but instead it's kind of turning the camera on the body. Um, mm. So all of the skin suit series are self-portraits. Um, and so I've set up miscellaneous <laughs> items and pod, um, 
tripods and I'm 3D scanning myself and all of those um, using photogrammetry in the same way um, to basically unwrap and unfold what is essentially a skin. Um, so it becomes this kind of, um, I've thought of them as leathers or, or I mean, really like material versions of flesh that, that, that show the, the kind of fleshy body through the machine gaze. And again, uh, the reemerging theme or symbol of, and the translation to the physical of the quilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so on that series, instead of, um, instead of working with the machine knitted quilts, um, I had the images that I had made of the self portraits I had made. Um, and I had those printed on silks and then I actually handmade quilts, um, where I was sewing with like copper thread and, and um, really like composing like a, a different version of a skin. And then I, I experimented some with like, what does it mean to wrap myself in my own skin quilt? And mm. so there's this conversation between the version of me seen by the machine and the version of me here in flesh body and how do those things interact? And, and I think that through the act of like physically making these quilts and, and photographing myself in them, um, it, it, it exposes a softness that I think you normally don't really think about when you think about technology. Um, and I, I mean, and I think that, go ahead. No, please. Yeah. I just, I think that, it's this dynamic conversation about information versus flesh, information versus landscape, soft and hard, extracting the softness and this noise from the landscapes using technology. Um, and, and these overlaps, I think, are really kind of fertile grounds for, for probing and making images and, and exploring. Is this a callback at all to any sort of uh, like Southern quilting tradition? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I didn't quilt growing up, but I was definitely, they were all over my family's houses, my parents' house. Like it's, it's certainly um, talking about the traditions that I grew up around of craft and women's work. I mean, for listeners who might not know, could should we go maybe a little deeper into like what what quilting was about in the South? Yeah, I mean, so well, and not just the South. I, I think it's probably kind of just an, an American yeah. tradition. Yeah, I think so. I think that in the American South and especially rural Appalachia, where I'm from, has a kind of history of impoverishment. Um, I think that the extractive technologies of coal mining, um, farming, I think that they have brought great wealth, but also a huge distribution in the regions um, like Southern Appalachia. Um, and so I think that over time that, you know, there's, there's been um, 
roles that women have had in the family structure in the community structure and a lot of those roles have have included things like making clothes making quilts just i mean out of practicality first but then i think the fact that that and it's not just women i'm sure there there's other people who were making them but it was mostly mostly the women and children um who were making these objects that were very utilitarian but i think also became quite beautiful over time um and the the techniques are things that i've practiced and like learned how to do it the traditional way and then in my work i tend to kind of unpack that and i don't quilt together traditional squares instead i'm drawing with my sewing machine basically and these are places of you know where obviously women would congregate they would tell stories they would uh it was a community mm -hmm. place yeah yeah and there, i mean and there was quilting circles which were the place for yeah as you said gathering um and i would i would love to think that through my work of either the digital quilts or the handmade quilts that i could have conversations with people about um what does it mean for women to interact now with technology mm. and how do we have communities where technology is at the center as opposed to traditional craft um I think it really changes the relationship between how we interact. Yeah, I was going to say it, it feels almost like a similar interrogation that you are having in an, a an cir circular one with, with the machine itself, in which it's like yeah. observational, kind of <laughs> hacking, uh, reinterpreting, you know, observing. Um, I find that fascinating in a way that I don't particularly understand yet. <laughs> I think when I think about software um, or technological tools or even physical tools like my sewing, my sewing machine or my printers, things like that, um, I really think of them as like collaborators um, and I, I try to come to it from a place that's like what can these things offer me? Um, what can I offer them? How can we interact in a way that's experimental and maybe unexpected? Um, and at the end of the day, it's, it's a meditation for me. Uh, I, I get a lot of joy out of the process of just like seeing what happens. Um, and I think that the, all of the things that the projects we've talked about today have kind of been the outcomes of, of those just experiments like let's just put it out there and see how it goes um my like a great example of that um my digital quilts from the uh skin suits i mean from the um soft grounds series um those are gonna become a shoe collection um i'm working yeah i'm working with Bibora and community made who are here just on the street from my studio um and those will be releasing this month and so in addition to the, sh the collection i'm also getting to design like a fashion film with a great group of friends and i'm experimenting with like physical sets and um it's really it the the projects kind of you know they just snowball and and i think that's what happens when you approach it with a experimental attitude 
I want to talk about uh, you know this this idea of extraction and like scarred landscapes and uh, because I know it comes up a lot in these descriptions, but I'm wondering how you view kind of the 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 body of work that you are creating. Uh, I you know you've used words like meditative, but I wonder if there's like a reconciliation or if you uh, consider these to be regenerative or if they are extractive of either yourself or the landscapes or I'm, I'm just curious how you view yeah I think it's I think it's kind of a bit of all of it. I think that it's extracting information, displaying it. I think it's really like a way to look at myself um, i I think that through the technological tools um, it's and especially like in skin suits I think it's a bit more explicit but I'm literally like turning it the camera on myself and exploring I, I, that's not something I've ever really done comfortably before and and mm. with skin suits I also did like a performance piece um, which I'm not a dancer, I'm not a performer, um, but I kind of used it as a catharsis, a way to address some of the things that I was grappling with personally about like the fleshiness of, mm. and the, the softness of people, especially like post COVID. Um, mm. I had some health, uh, health scare, so I was kind of grappling with like my mortality and my form my my physicality and skin suits was a way to take technology and look at myself and kind of work through some of those stresses and anxieties that I had um, through the process of making. I find these skin suit maps to be incredible. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, I find them to be like remarkably beautiful. I haven't seen work like this. It actually brings me back to like, uh, Robbie Barad's like early AI nudes. Maybe I don't know how much you want to share about like the process, or if you can even begin to describe the process of of creating these. But there, it's just that beautiful like interrelationship between human and machine, and it, it they really shine. I really like these. Thanks. Yeah, I mean the. I think that the. I was looking at images from people like Thomas Ruff. He has a series where they're kind of like blurred nudes um, that, that were from internet searches, basically. Um, and uh, I mean, and for for the Soft Ground series, I was looking at people like Andreas Gursky and um, more like in the photographic tradition, actually, is where I've kind of been situating the work in my mind a bit um i mean cindy sherman marilyn mentor like the kind of iconic women um huge inspirations but i think that for me the skin suits project um the process was was quite intimate you know and i was some of them were shot actually in a robot house um so i set up my cameras like on the robots um i scanned myself um some of them were just very low res like 
holding my phone and taking a bunch of pictures, you know, um, and then putting those into my software and seeing what kind of things come out. Um, and I think what's really interesting is that the machine and the software, they really don't um, see flesh very clearly. There's a lot of like misreading there. Um, when you put in information from the landscape, like on a, on a technical level, the data is like very um, complete and there's tons of points. It's, it's easily recognizable as like, this is one-to-one, -one. We, we can understand what this is. But often when you scan bodies, um, it's all over the place. You have no idea, you, it's unrecognizable. Um, mm. And I think that if it wasn't for the coloration of the flesh, which I think, through the traditions of um, like even painting, fleshiness I think is is really difficult to achieve in like such a flat way. Um, mm. And I and I found that that was like really interesting was that the software couldn't interpolate the form of the body, but through the actual image because the 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 maps are made from the actual images, the flesh coloration was still totally intact. So I think that that's what allows you to get um, an understanding that this is body, this is a deconstructed and unwrapped skinned body. Um, and, and I tried to also make sure that I use techniques where there would be little indicators, like scanning higher resolution around like an ear or a nose or a nipple or whatever it was so that you could see the little kind of breadcrumbs and you put together what it was. Yeah, where, where I, you know, you're so uh, used to, as you say, like the softness of flesh, right? And these are so angular, they're very sharp. Uh, there's, it, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah, I think that yeah. I think that the um, cultivating softness through digital tools is something that I would like to explore in other ways. Um, I think that there's not a lot of precedent of achieving like the feeling of softness through these really hard tools. Maybe we can look at that from like, uh, we can zoom out a little bit and, you know, because I find also crypto to be a very hard, unforgiving tool, yeah. right? I find a lot of technology to be, to be very just like hard, unforgiving tools. Um, and maybe that was part of my own journey and all of this as well. It's like wanting to transition out of that and into some sort of softness. Do you feel... I mean, I feel that there's a deep importance for like technological softness and trying to reinterpret these things in softer, kinder, gentler, nicer ways for us as humans. Um, does any yeah, of that mean I, anything I mean, to you? I think that if we think about kind of what's happened in the world in the past couple of years, um, most people who I personally know are definitely craving comfort and craving um, mm. safety and softness. And I think that our digital tools aren't really providing those things. Um, and whether that means 
that it's about how we use them, how we interact with them on like an interface level, or if it means like how we're seeing images and representation digitally. Uh, I think there's a lot of space there to explore like what comfort and softness um, in digital space could feel like and look like, because I 100% agree. I mean, when I was working on um, the, the vellum works with, uh, that I was minting on Super Rare, uh, that was my first experience minting NFTs. Um, I have kind of uh, eased into it a bit. Um, I'm interested in finding ways where the physical and the digital can interact with the blockchain. Um, but for this series, they were just images. And I found the whole process to be, like as someone who's very technologically inept, I found it to be very complicated and like not user-friendly, very abrasive. And mm. it's not just, it's not just processes like that, but it's, it's interfaces and the way we see tools. And I think I, I would love to, imagine other ways that we could interface um that are maybe more comfortable or just feel different really yeah i wonder yeah yeah so much of this is really fascinating to me because i think about it all the time even just like the yeah exactly is like very very hard if there were ways to like communicate more with your body that were more uh because all of like this hunched over typing oh it's it's so bad for you. <laughs> so bad. And it's so far from like what we are. So, you know, I always envisioned like more active, like digital spaces where you weren't. Yeah. I don't know. So much of it feels like we have become slaves to the machine instead of it, like actually working and, and being for exactly. us. And that that's what I'm, I think that in a lot of, in a lot of my process that's kind of what i'm trying to facilitate is a conversation as opposed to me being subservient to <laughs> my tech um and I, I mean even if we look at like what our computers look like like you said the keys but i have sitting right here my desktop is this like huge gamer like <laughs> flashing you know like it's why it doesn't have to look like that <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah. even even in the hardware, it's it's harsh. And what would it look like if it had a koozie? Or like I was thinking mm. of like crocheting a little sweater for my for my uh, desktop. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that would be super cute. You should make it a little quilt. Yeah. Yeah, a little quilt. <laughs> <laughs> it's silly, but I think it. I think that it would make me feel better to come and sit at my desk and see my computer have a sweater on yeah yeah it would it would it would it would begin to like redefine these relationships which you know we never know how much like i don't know if the right word is bias or just uh you know how much of like the same thinking goes into all of these systems because it was probably the same group of people that created computers, that created the internet, that created mm -hmm. uh, these blockchains and like all stacked on top of each other. It feels like a lot and it, it is very, very, very draining. Um, so it's exciting when people just kind of come along and begin to like question. I think and, it's and just like poke at it, you know? Like yeah. 
Like why it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. And obviously good art does that. Um, <laughs> so that's cool. What else? What about um, just like, how, how do you envision uh, like digital spaces of the metaverse to create these environments? Because, you know, I try to create like inspired spaces, but we still mm -hmm. deal very much in like angular geometries. And totally. uh, just as an architect, it's, you know, we have all the ability to reimagine how we play and reinvent space. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what ways we can invite these concepts into these digital spaces. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, a, that's something that I've been a bit bewildered about is that we have basically no limitations of physics, of space, um, of money when we're building things in digital space, but yet they look like a building. <laughs> they look like they look like the white cube gallery a lot of the time. Um, I think it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and I think there are people who are exploring like what other types of digital space can be like. Um, I mean, just coming to mind is like Rachel Rosen. I think hmm. some of, some of her, um, some of her digital work is really fantastic. Um, and I, I think, I think that as architects and as designers, we're kind of trained in a tra tradition of, of design that is being translated like one-to-one -one into the mm. digital space. And I, I, it's, 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 Definitely doesn't have to be that way. Um, on a practical level, building a flat plane in digital, physical or digital space, that's easy. You know, it takes three clicks and you have it. But building something like a more complex space that's soft and doesn't feel like what we're used to, that takes development and time and more sophisticated use of the technological tools because they're geared a lot of the tools are geared towards the physical world that's what they've been used for and now that we have this new space opening up where we can design for whatever we want then i think that the tools can also start to transition towards working on that um i mean for example in my skin suit series um the performance was a real-time motion capture um using game engine and physics simulation for fabric. So I was simulating the quilt's movement as I moved uh, mm. based on sensors. And simulating fabric moving is like, it's, it took a lot of time and a lot of development. If that was a flat image, like, no problem. And I think that, that those complexities um, provide some limitation. Uh, just on based on like what can people commit to actually making yeah the greatness is in the subtleties and so often the subtleties get overlooked um yeah <laughs> which is a tough note to end on uh <laughs> but well i think there's a lot of i think that there's a lot that can be developed both 
for digital and physical space. And I think that it's really exciting to imagine people starting to make spaces digitally and then how those influence the real world. I think mm. it, it comes back, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that's where I'm really excited is to see what happens when those experiments start making it back into the physical world. I, I couldn't agree more. That was always like the dream, right? That we would be able to <laughs> rapidly experiment and iterate and change and, and develop in all sorts of, you know, models of just like governance and being and dialogue and, and community and what it means to exist in these spaces and then translate that back into the real world after, you know, we had done a million experiments. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. that's exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. We switched it. That's better. <laughs> yeah, that is better. Um, Brianna, last word is is yours. Please let uh, people know where they can find you if you're open sure. to talking with them, where they could find your work. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, thanks again for having me. It's been Pleasure. really fun. Yeah, um, thank you. They can reach me on Instagram. It's just at Brianna Browning. Um, or they can email me direct to studio at briannabrowning.com. And um, if they just want to chat or have a coffee or think about a project, I'm super open to any conversation. And um, yeah, so hit me up. <laughs> cool. Uh, all right. We'll end it there. Awesome. I'm Thank Colborn you. Bell, artist Brianna Browning. Uh, special shout out to Minty for putting us together. And thank you all for listening. Thank you. Breaking news.